Don't want to work forever? Once you can cover your living expenses with passive income, your day job becomes optional and you reach financial independence. You then have complete control over your time, your money, and your life in general. Spark Rental founders Denny Suplee and Brian Davis, me, are here to help you build rental income, ditch your day job, and do what matters most to you. So on that note, let's jump into today's episode, which, like all of our episodes, was recorded live. Hey guys, Brian Davis from Spark Rental here. I'm super excited to be with you guys, and I'm excited to have Dustin Heiner on with us today. Dustin retired at 37 with rental income. He has since gone on to found masterpassiveincome.com and successfullyunemployed.com, and he went on to teach other investors how to do the same thing. So Dustin, you're a man after my heart. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, I literally love investing in real estate, but it's mostly what it really allows me to do in my life. I, I literally don't work a job. I like the term successfully unemployed. And when I was 37 years old, blessed to be able to quit my job. Now I just go to the gym, hang out with my family and come on podcasts and talk to great people like you. So thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. So let's start at the very beginning. Let's rewind the clock to how you got into real estate investing in the first place. You know, your, your first investment property, you know, how, how that all went down. Yeah, totally. So I, like everybody, was taught a path that we're all supposed to go on. So basically, you go to school, you get good grades, and then you get those good grades and you go to a college or university, get in thousands and thousands of dollars into debt, and hopefully get a piece of paper called a degree, and you walk around and you try to get a company to hire you, and then you get a career, work 40 plus years of your life, and hopefully retire at 65, 70 years old or older, and hopefully live on what you managed to save that entire time working that just overbroke job. A J-O-B is a just overbroke job and hopefully retire. So I'm following that exact same path. But at the same time, I've always been entrepreneurial, you know, starting businesses. When I was 13 years old, I had a newspaper route. Most people don't know what newspapers are anymore, but I ride around <laughs> on a bike and there'd be newspapers that have uh, basically copy written on them. I throw them at 5 a.m., bang them on garage doors, waking people up. I even had a graphic and website design company in college. I had a skateboard manufacturing business. I had oh, wow. a pizzeria and a convenience store. Started all these from scratch, but at the same time was following the same plan we're all taught. And I got the most stable, secure job I could ever think of. I was in California at the time, working at a local county government and doing technology or IT. So California is not going away. Government's definitely not going away. And technology is not going away. So the most stable, secure job ever. But at the same time, I bought one rental property. I was in California, bought it in Ohio, which we can get into that in just a second. But I bought it in Ohio. And I got my first check from my property manager. After everything was paid, it was $317. I realized, oh my goodness, like I didn't do any work. Now I did work once, but now the property's making money for me. I need to become an investor. Well, Brian, you know how it happens. Life starts getting away. My wife and I start having kid after kid. Eventually we had our fourth child, but here's the story really shoved me to start buying more and more properties. So when we had our fourth child, my, I went on paternity leave. That's where the dad stays home with the mom, changes poopy diapers, the newborn baby and all that good stuff. I've been there. I, after about two weeks, I go back to work. And in that same week that I get back to work on a Friday, at 3.30 in the afternoon, I get a call from my boss's 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 secretary, like the top dog. And she says, Dustin, would you please come to the boss's office? I said, sure. And I hung up and I paused for a second. I thought, why in the world are they calling me to the office? Like, this isn't normal. And I've seen plenty of movies. Friday at 3.30 is not a good sign. No. And 
I also started remembering a couple months before I went on paternity leave, there were some rumors or some rumblings going on that there could potentially be layoffs in the county. And I immediately shook it off. I said, no way. I got so much. I get 14 year seniority here. My boss is thinking you do a great job. We're all set. So I get up after shaking that thought off and I go down the hallway, walking to my boss's office. Now, this hallway isn't very long. In fact, it's kind of short. But Brian, every single step I took, it felt like the hallway got longer and longer and longer. And it felt like my feet became lead bricks because the weight of everything started crushing down me. I could potentially lose my job. Well, I get down the hallway, I turn the corner and I see my boss's door. His door's closed. And I see a secretary there, super sweet, nice old lady. And she says, Dustin, would you please have a seat? And so I go and sit down and I start thinking about my life. If everything that I was told, this entire path that we're told to do, if I get laid off right now, oh my goodness, did I just waste my life following this plan? And then I started remembering or realizing we just had our fourth child. If I can't feed our family, does that make me a failure as a father? Does that make me a failure as a husband, as a man trying to provide for his family? Well, as I'm sitting there, my hands get all clammy. My forehead gets all sweaty because the weight of everything is crushing down on me. Then the door to my boss's office opens up. And I'll walk to a coworker of mine, a lady coworker of mine, and she has a piece of paper in her hands. She is noticeably distraught, noticeably upset. She's not necessarily crying, but you can tell her world has been devastated. She passes by me and my boss says, Dustin, would you please come into the office? Well, I get up and I go into his office and I get laid off. And remember, this is the government. Nobody gets fired or laid off from the government, but I yeah. did. The reason why I tell the story, so I hope you learn what I learned. So I went back to my desk after just getting laid off and I realized two things. And I learned two things. Number one, I need to get another job. I need to be able to provide for my family. So I was really, really blessed. Praise the Lord to find another job in the same county. Another department wasn't having the same money issues. So check right then and there done. The second thing, Sitting in that chore, just getting laid off, I realized I need to make sure that this never, ever happens to me again. I need to make sure that nobody has the ability ability to take away my ability to feed my family. So right then and there, remember, I knew I needed to become an investor, but life got in the way. I said, no longer will I ever let life get in the way. So right then and there, I realized anytime anybody would ask me the question, we all get this question, what do you do? Well, I say, Dustin, what do you do? I would always reply, I work, I do technology for the local county government. Well, I am basically, whenever we answer that, we're projecting the value that we put on ourselves as coming from our job. No, right. my value doesn't come from my job. My value comes from my family, from my God and from myself. So right then and there, sitting in that chair, just getting laid off, I said, I will always tell some, everybody who asked me that question, I am an investor. Now, it so happens that I have my job. That's 100% of my money comes from my job. That's now my part-time job. I'm a full-time investor. So fast forward the story. Started buying property after property after property, each one making me $250 a month in passive income. Eventually, I had 30-plus properties. I realized, my goodness, I don't need to work anymore. So quickly, the last part of the story is I got 30-plus properties, had enough properties to quit. I went to my new boss, good boss and all. I said, hey, boss, here's your two weeks notice. Like, I'm laying <laughs> you off, you know, jokingly. And we both laughed. He said, Dustin, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I don't have to do anything. I own real estate. It works for me. I make money without even working. So the last quick part of the story is I would walk to and from my job from where I parked my cars downtown, a mile and a half walk every single day there and back. I've done it a thousand times. Well, if you remember that short hallway that got longer and longer and longer where my feet became like lead bricks. This last time walking away from my job for the very last time, I felt like I was walking on clouds because I knew <laughs> I would never 
ever need a job again because my real estate now makes money for me without even working. Because everybody, if you're working a job still, you need to realize this, that your boss cannot pay you and will not pay you what you are worth. If they did pay you what you were worth, they would go broke. And this is how you'll know. Your boss is paying you just enough, just enough to keep you working without quitting but not so much money that takes money out of their pocket. If you got paid for the value that you are, that you have in yourself, they would go broke. So what we need to do is realize our value does not come from our jobs. It comes from ourselves. So if for me, it was buying rental properties, 30 plus properties now, and now I get into hotels and apartments and all that sort of stuff because I'm an investor. Fast forward now, 37 years old, blessed to become successfully unemployed. But I'll pause this right because you probably got plenty of questions. <laughs> plenty of questions. No, I love that though. Uh, and I love that. I love that very concept. This is something we talk about all the time of financial independence and reclaiming control over your sources of income. Because to your point, you know, your job can disappear at any time with a, at a moment's notice. Uh, and it's not something that's in your control. Uh, whereas your investments, each one individually is not in your control, but as a, as a portfolio, it is. You control, control all of it. Yes. Yeah. So let's talk about how you bought your first property and how you scaled up from there because it's a it's a big jump from oh i bought this one little tiny rental property to oh i've got 30 plus properties in my portfolio and i'm financially independent and i can quit my job anytime <laughs> so uh, walk Absolutely. us so, yeah walk 100%. us through scaling scaling that up yeah, so this is in 2006 when I bought my first property. I was in California at the time. This is before the crash of 2008, so everything is running up. And I bought my first property in Ohio. But I'm going to tell you the way that I did it, which is the wrong way. And I will quickly tell you the right way, or at least how then to scale your business. So here's what I did in 2006 working a dead, dead end job that just overbroke job. And I was watching TV late night infomercial came on, said, Hey, we're coming to your town. We're going to teach you about real estate Two hour free seminar come. And I'm like, great. I want to learn. So I go to this free two hour seminar and it's all hype, all sales pitch. And then they say, run to the back. It's normally a billion dollars, but it's a thousand dollars today for another two day seminar. I said, great. I ran to the back. Cause I was silly ran to the back. Couldn't charge enough on my credit card. I was like, oh, here you go. So I went to that two-day seminar. More hype, more sales pitch for their $80,000 course. Their $100,000. It was all sales pitch. But I took what little they taught me. And I'll tell you this, and you'll quickly forget it. I want you to quickly forget it. So I took what they told me. I bought my first rental property and my property manager started stealing from me within six months. It was oh, no. horrible because I didn't know what I was doing. So this is what they tell you and you will quickly forget it. So the quote unquote gurus will tell you, well, you find a property anywhere in the country and then you run the numbers. We all know what that means. Run the numbers, find your expenses, make sure your income is higher. They say, well, you want to make 25 or $50 a month in passive income, but you'll get appreciation. That's what you're investing for. Remember, this was 2006 before 2008. And I didn't, I wanted to make passive income. So I made sure I was making $250 a month, but I don't invest for appreciation. So pausing that bad way to do it. I don't invest for appreciation. I will literally give these properties to my kids. This is generational wealth that I'm creating. Plus each one makes me money. If I get rid of it, why would I, I wouldn't make any more money. So they say, run the numbers, you know, find a property anywhere in the country, run the numbers, make sure you're making money and in passive income a little bit. Then you're going to get appreciation. Then you find, you, you spend thousands of dollars to buy the property, then spend thousands of dollars to fix up the property. Then you find a tenant and then you find a property manager. Well, in my opinion, that's just about backwards. What I did that and my property manager started stealing from me with six months because I didn't know what I was doing. But then if I would just hung my head and said, oh, this doesn't work, woe is me, I wouldn't be here today. But remember, 
I've always been entrepreneurial in my life. And I thought, I'm not recreating something brand new. So this has had to work in the past. Let me approach this from a business mindset. So if you hear me at all, at any length, when I tell, talk about any of this stuff, I always talk about building the business first before you buy any properties. And what that looks like, remember that old way or that wrong way? Forget that. This is the right way. This is how I was then able to scale my business. So I bought my first property in Ohio. Of all places, really, really low prices, higher rent so I can make passive income. But this is after I figured out that, I, that was the wrong way. This is the right way. We build the business first. And this is what it looks like in a, an analogy. So if you're thinking about a convenience store, if you want to start a convenience store, you know, candy bars and soda machines and all that good stuff. Well, you would not sign a lease on a location, open the doors and set a box of candy bars in there on the ground. You wouldn't do that. You go out of business in two seconds. But what you would do is you would build the business first. You get the all the gondolas, those are the shelving units, all the candy bars go on, the countertops, the cold storage, the fountain machines, bank accounts, cash registers, insurance, employees, everything in the business before you buy any inventory. Once you build the business, you buy the inventory, same thing with real estate investing. You build the entire business and we have experts on the ground anywhere in the country. In fact, my students, myself, we invest all over the country, but we don't buy the property until we have our business built. And then once the business is built, we have the experts who are there on the ground that will help us to make sure we do it right, make us more money, protect us from bad things that go on. And that every piece of property we buy is another piece of inventory that we put into our business. So we build the entire business and then buy inventory. That's how I was able to quickly scale. So that first property, really bad property manager started stealing from me. Then I hired slow and fire fast, which means you take a long time. You interview the people. In fact, the number one person on your, they call it team, but in my business, my quote unquote employees or the contractors that I hire, I don't have a team. I have a business. So what I do is I hire the first thing is the property manager. I look for a property or an area anywhere in the country that has good inventory, the types of homes I want to buy that I could rent and make passive income. My suggestion is $250 a month or more in passive income. Once you do that, you're able then to then scale your business. So you find inventory. Great. Check. The city has great inventory. My students and myself, we love the Midwest and the Carolinas and Florida. Really, really great for passive income. That's what we invest for. So we've, once we find a good city, we get inventory. Then we pause looking at properties. In fact, a lot of my students say, Dustin, I found a good city. I already have five realtors looking and sending me deals. I'm like, stop, stop, stop. You're, you're, you're putting the cart before the horse. Who's going to manage that property if you bought it? Uh, I don't know. Do not like realtors are the last step. You want to manage the and have somebody ready ready to manage the properties, but then also tell you before you buy the property if it's a good property or not. Well, quick last thing, I'll, I'll let you jump in. Quick last thing I'll say is I have lots of people coming and say, Dustin, I found I bought a property, did everything those gurus did, and then I tried to find a property manager, and every property manager I called said they would not manage it. They would get shot there, so they're not going to manage it. I said, well, sadly, you no longer have an asset. You have a liability. Well, how much better it would be instead of calling and saying, property manager, I bought this property. Would you manage it? And they say, no, say property manager, I'm looking to buy this property. I've already talked to you. We already, you already know me. You already know what type of criteria. I already want you to manage my property. I'm looking to buy this property. Number one, how much will it rent for? Number two, will you manage it? Number three, what's the vacancy factor? What type of clientele? You ask all the original questions. If they say no, they won't manage the property, then you don't buy it. You save all that time and money. If they say yes, 
and they tell you how much it could rent for. That's when you then proceed because these are experts, just like your insurance agents, your expert, realtors, other wholesalers, um, uh, contractors. Like we get all the experts because I'm not the expert in these cities that I, I invest in five or six cities now. I'm not the expert. My employees, my contract, yes, I build the business. They are the experts. In fact, students say, Dustin, you invest in the city. You're the expert. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not. I know a little bit, but my experts are the people that I hire that work in my business. Does that all make sense? Makes total sense. And, you know, so there's a couple of things uh, that I love about what you just said. First of all, uh, I've been burned many times by bad property managers. Uh, it's, it's and especially the lower end the property is, the harder it is to find a good property manager because good property managers don't have to work in those difficult areas where the margins are low and the you know the the, the profits are low, but the work is is higher. So I also love that you invest for cash flow first. It's something that my partner Denny and I talk about all the time that you can you can accurately predict cash flow. You can't accurately predict depreciation. So invest for cash flow because you can never have to buy a bad investment again if, if you invest for cash flow because you can punch the numbers into a calculator and within a pretty narrow margin you'll you'll know exactly what kind of yield you'll get out of that property and that will just go up over time but we had a couple of questions here from an audience member and i want to start with something you just talked about hiring property managers how do you screen property managers how do you find the the best Sorry, you're paused a little bit. I, okay, oh. you're back up now. Okay, so sorry about that. The, the question, if I heard, was how do you find the right property manager? How do you screen out bad ones? That's something that I had to, well, let me give you this way. I, I had to learn it, number one. But number two, it's really, really not that hard when you know the right questions to ask. But let me give you an example. So what the guru, quote unquote gurus will tell you and what they told me, just find somebody and they'll, they'll, they say they're a property manager, have them manage it. Well, I did that and my property manager started stealing from me. Well, I realized if I were to create that entire convenience store, an entire business and had all my money in it, all my, like everything set up. And then I see somebody walking across the street and say, hey, you got a pulse, come on in here, manage my property or manage my business, manage my inventory, manage my customers, manage my money. No, you wouldn't do that. You would interview them. And like I said, you would hire slowly, but then fire fast. You hire them very slowly. So my suggestion, this is what I teach all my students. So I have a list of 22 questions and answers, the right answers that we're looking for, for our property managers. And what we do is we interview multiple property managers multiple times. So now I would say at least five, six, maybe seven property managers to get started and interview them at least two, three, maybe even four times. Now don't, be, you know, take it too much of their time, but you want to make sure they're going to call you back. Number one, make sure that they didn't snowball you on the first interview, make sure that they're actually going to do what they say they're going to do. But that is how you screen for good property managers. And here's a quick tip. If a property manager that you're trying to find, they're trying to earn your business. If they don't call you back in 24, 48 hours a week, if they don't call you back before they have your money, Imagine how bad it's going to be when they have your money. Like, I'm not oh, going to absolutely. call this dude back. I got his money already. So yeah. what we do is we hire slowly and uh, we interview many property managers multiple times. And then the cream eventually rises to the top. Like you re-rank everybody. Like the number one, hey, I'm going to I'm going to go with this one company. Then I have a backup. Then I have another backup. But that's the biggest thing is your property manager is the quarterback of your team, saves you money, makes you money. Make sure you're doing everything right in the business because they're not going to want to manage a bad property. And they're wanna, they know you are their customer. The landlord, the owner is their customer. The tenants are not their customers. We are. So that's how we screen for good property managers. But 
when a property manager starts going bad, we maybe we give them one chance, like, hey, correct this. But if they do it again, we fire them and we get somebody else. But we already have a backup. Remember, before we buy any right. properties, we know the city and we have a list of five or six property managers that we like. Okay, the first one went bad. Who's the next one? We've already did all the work. Get them right into it. So let's say you you hire a good property manager in a new market, a uh, city that you're not particularly familiar with, but you, you you find a good property manager. Now, how do you go about finding your deals? You you know you're looking for off market stuff, or how do you go about finding uh, the the best possible deals in this new market? Yeah, yeah. So there's two things that so I have my own podcast, YouTube channel, courses, and coaching, all this stuff, and I found that the most I guess downloaded episodes or most watched YouTube videos are they finding? I know, I know. I'm just everybody knows you know this, Ryan. Like you, you're past this part, but just beginners think this: finding and funding. Those are the two things that everybody wants to to jump right into. How do I find it? And how do I fund it? I'm glad you asked the first question. How do we manage the property? How do we make sure we take care of the property? Because most people don't even think like that. So I know you're an investor because of that. The second thing is people start thinking about like finding the properties is hard when you don't know what you're doing. It's easy when you do, when you're an investor. So, because, and remember at the very beginning, I started telling, I told you that I started telling everybody that I'm an investor. When they ask me, Dustin, what do you do? I say, I'm an investor. What happens then is I have so many people, I can't even count how many people send me deals all the time, off-market properties, on-market properties, wholesalers, other investors, title companies, um, you name it, even property managers, send me deals. Hey, in fact, just last, no, two weeks ago, I got a call from a contractor. Hey, this one investor is looking to sell this property. Are you interested? I'm like, let me take a look at it. I have so many people in every single one of the markets that I invest in always sending me deals. Now, the criteria from those deals that I always look for is number one, will my property managers manage it? If they won't manage it, I'm not gonna buy it because I won't make any money because it'll be a liability. Second, because I don't want to manage the property. I don't want to talk to tenants. I don't want to do any of that stuff. I want them to take care of all that. But here's another criteria. Well, first one, will my property manager manage it? Number one. Number two, will I make $250 or more in passive income from each and every property that I buy? If I don't, I try to lower the price so the passive income goes up. And here's why I went with $250 a month in passive income. Because I realized it's easy math, like real estate investing. It's very simple when you think about it. Easy math. You calculate all your expenses. You subtract that from your rent. If you can make $250 a month in passive income, then you make $3,000 a year in passive income without working. 10 properties is $2,500 a month, $30,000 a year without working. 20 properties is $5,000 a month, $60,000 a year without working. You just scale it from there. 40 properties is $120,000 without working. And on top of that, it's scalable because you have the entire business. I knew, in fact, I asked my wife, I said, hey, honey, how many? How much money do we have in our expenses every single month? Like how much money would we need for me to quit my job and become successfully unemployed? I remember the number specifically, it was $4,200, you know, taxes, mortgage, insurance, food, all that sort of stuff, $4,200. I said, check, if I get 20 properties that make me $250 a month, that's $5,000. I'm literally uh, $5,000 a month. I'm literally financially independent, financially free to quit my job. But then when you realize this, here's another amazing thing. When you find the deals, like your original question was, how do you find the deals? I have lots of people looking for me because I build a business. I'm an investor. From there, I have the other experts in my business keep doing everything in the business. Now, once you quit working for somebody else, if you're still working for somebody else, 
then you have 40 plus hours of your life to find more properties, to build more businesses, to invest in other things, play with your kids, go to the gym, do whatever you, you know, do hobbies. That's what I realized as soon as I quit my job, I started making more money because working that job, I was losing money working for somebody else. But now once I built myself out of that job, then I have that much more money and time, then I can find more properties and have other people find those properties for me. Yeah, absolutely. So Terry also asked, we had another question here, uh, what kind of tools you use to uh, find deals, evaluate deals? She asked whether you use Mashvisor and if so, is it worth it? But yeah, I mean, let, let's broaden that question to any other tools that you that you like to help you find deals, evaluate deals uh, and so on. So as far as finding them, it is really simple. I just have lots of people finding me deals. So like I've already gave you a quick list, wholesalers, realtors, other investors, property managers, like lots of even title companies have sent me deals. So they say, hey, this is just fell out of escrow. Would you? So we build a business, have lots of experts working for us. Now in analyzing the deals, honestly, I am, math is not my first subject. I like math, don't get me wrong, but I'm not good. Like if I play golf, I have to think, okay, that was one stroke, two strokes. I, I go back, I, math just like numbers go in my brain and they flutter away. They literally disappear. So <laughs> I am very, very simple. I actually created a an Excel sheet that I've beefed up and I had a, a, a couple of my students who are really, really good investors and good at math that actually go through the Excel sheet that we made it so foolproof of our business model, making sure we're capturing equity. So we buy it for lower than it's worth because we're investors. We don't pay like homeowners overpay 10%, 20%. Oh, I like the curtains on this house. I'm going to pay a lot more. We don't. We're investors. We invest for cash flow. So what we do is make sure we're capturing equity, make sure we're getting passive income, make sure that we have the cap rate. Like we have all those calculations and what's great. And I, I call it, and I just give it away to my students. It's the one minute green light deal analyzer. I created it and it's literally, you put in the numbers of how much you're buying it for, what's the mortgage rate and it pops out. It literally does all the calculations for you. And it, it there's like six criteria. And if everything's green, more than likely it's going to be a good property. That's what I use because I'm simple. Like I just love everything being as simple as possible. This works out well for me. But honestly, there are lots of great software and services out there. I just wanted to create something that was literally easy for me. And it's a no brainer. But that's one good one. I personally really just love using Zillow's also really good site too to find properties. It just actually knows. Yeah. Let me take that back. So Zillow's good. But I've also found they're kind of slow to see, hey, this property's pending, all that sort of stuff. But what Zillow is really good for is finding new areas of the country to invest. In fact, we have coaching calls where I, you know, have all my students on coaching calls and they say, hey, somebody new, hey, I want to find a new area of the country to invest. I said, this is one of my favorite things to do with my students. So I pull up Zillow, show, share my screen from Zoom and said, let's just throw it dart at the board. Let's look. Okay. Let's start zooming in when you see more of those red dots start popping up and they see the price points. I love using Zillow to help me find new areas of the country to invest. My students, like I said, invest all over the um, West Coast, not sorry, West Coast, uh, uh, was it um, Midwest, sorry, Midwest out of the Carolinas. But that's how, what like that's the, the tools, one, like, one minute green light deal analyzer that I have at my site, as well as Zillow is really, really good. But there are so many other great ones, um, free property management software companies. I love using those ones that they manage the, the all the back end. Uh, yeah, so there are lots of good ones, but... I'm very, very simple. Here's the biggest thing that I do. I hire property managers. In fact, right. a lot of people say, Dustin, how do you afford a property manager? I said, I don't. I don't afford a prop. I don't have to get a job to pay for my property manager. I don't buy the property unless it's paid for. The property manager pay for it. And Brian, you'll completely get this. The, the expenses, yeah. 
100%. So Brian, you definitely get this. And I'm sure all your listeners do. So I don't pay for my property manager. I don't pay my mortgage. I don't pay my taxes. I don't pay my insurance. I don't pay for repairs. I don't pay any of that stuff. My tenants pay for that. Now, it so happens the money comes into me, but out to those bills. But like I said, I don't have to get a job to do that. That's the number one thing is we do is we make sure everything is accounted for and having other people do the work for us. Absolutely. So tell us about what you are up to right now with Successfully Unemployed and with MasterPassiveIncome.com. Yeah, so I actually love... I love teaching people. In fact, with my podcast, I've been doing it since 2016 or 17. It's literally mostly just me, like just a solo show, me giving out this content. And I've had so many students now because I love teaching. They come to me and they say, hey, Dustin, can I partner with you? Like, can we partner on deals? Like, yeah, I just like teaching people. Then they also ask the question, well, can you do the uh, what turnkey? Like, can you buy a property and sell to us? Like, oh, I don't want to do that. I just want to coach people. And so here's what is interesting, Brian. So when I was 27 years old, I said, in 10 years, I want to quit my job and be done financially independent. 37 years old, blessed, done, got that goal taken care of. Now, I created a new goal. My new goal is to help 1 million people to invest in real estate. And that is hopefully getting eventually financial freedom with that, with 1 million people doing that. Now, with that, I have my podcast, Master Passive Income Podcast, coaching courses, but I even created a conference. So I've got hundreds, if not thousands of students now. And I knew because in my online business with Master Passive Income, I've grown by going to conferences, but I've been to the real estate conferences. They're horrible because it's always a sales pitch. Run to the back and go give us lots of money. And I thought, I don't want that. I want, I, I wanted and needed a conference that's all about giving. So because now I have plenty of time, I have my real estate makes money, like all my passive income streams flow into my river of income, which is my real estate. I buy more real estate with it. I have been blessed now to meet lots and lots of expert real estate investors. So this is what I did. I called all my friends who are podcasters, YouTubers, have their own coaching and all that sort of stuff. I said, hey, we all want meetups for our, our students. Nobody wants to do the work because it takes a lot of work. How about I put on sure. a conference. We all bring all of our students together and it's literally a no sales pitch conference. So now I created a conference called the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference. We just had it. It was two weeks ago. So it's every year. It's an annual conference, the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference. And it's now another way for me to help 1 million people to invest in real estate. So I have my podcast. I have the you know YouTube channel, all the courses, coaching. But now the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference. And oh, if anybody wants to go up, just because you're listening to Brian's podcast, I will give you 10% off. If you use the promo code podcast, I'll give you 10% off to come to the to the uh, conference, rubcon.com, R-E-W-B-C-O-N.com, rubcon.com. But yeah, that's what I'm doing. It's like as much time as I can give out to help other people to invest in real estate, hopefully get to 1 million people. I love it. Well, Dustin, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I, I am all about the exact life that, that you are living here, you know, reaching financial independence, making your day job optional, retiring early and helping others do the same. So thanks again for coming on. And uh, we put a link to the, uh, to masterpassiveincome.com. We'll also put a link to successfully unemployed and uh, Dustin, thanks again. Would you mind quickly? I, I forgot to ask. I have a free course. I just love to give out. Do you mind if yeah, I give everybody no, a free course? Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. So if you want a free course, I've had so many people just invest just for my free course. If you text the word rental, R-E-N-T-A-L, rental to 33777. 
rental the 33777. I will literally give you the course showing you how to find an area of the country and invest, how to build the business, how to scale your business, quit your job. You can even go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course, all one word, forward slash free course. Or you can find me on Instagram. Hit me up there, uh, the Dustin Heiner, T H E Dustin Heiner. And I'm, no, Brian, I'm not that arrogant. It's the only handle I could come up with, but the <laughs> Dustin Heiner on Instagram. But uh, no, I really appreciate you having me on, man. This has been great. Oh, absolutely. Well, you guys, we, we will catch you next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Dustin, thanks again. And stay in touch, everybody. Support at sparkrunnel.com. Looking forward to seeing you next week. Did you know we offer a free eight-video course on how to reach financial independence with real estate? It's super bingeable with each video around 10 minutes long, but packed with information. Visit sparkrunnel.com slash learn for instant access. And please don't forget to rate and review our podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Thanks for joining us, and we will catch you on the flip side.